No my Heidi my Picky my Kakia my you are on the panel RNZ National Guy and Espiner with you this week filling in for Wallace Chapman. Well have you ever left a restaurant without paying the bill? Share your experiences today and don't be ashamed, the civic leader of Wellington means you might be in good company. Tori Fano is in hot water today. Staff been reporting that staff at a Wellington restaurant had her and a friend come in on the Friday night already a bit tipsy according to the website and got progressively drunker. Apparently the Wellington mayor asked the waiter, do you know who I am, before she and her friend left without paying. The friend got in touch the next day and did settle the bill, but can you top that story for a running meal? Text us 2101 with your stories from the hospitality front line. Tori Fano, of course, was the chief of staff for the Green Party before she was a lobbyist and then the Wellington mayor. And it's the Green Party who have made the running policy-wise over the last 48 hours with their proposal to cap rent increases to no more than 3% a year. Is that a good idea or will it lead to landlords exiting the industry with fewer options for renters? We'll talk to the head of Renters United for a renter's perspective, but please share yours to 101 or email us at the panel at RNZ. Also today, health insurance. Do you have it? Do you want it but can't afford it? And is it more of a necessity than a luxury in modern Aotearoa? That question raised its head again this morning with RNZ reporting that patients are having to wait 18 months or so for heart scans that could tell them whether or not they have a serious or even life-threatening condition. All that and, surprise, surprise, Australians behaving badly on the cricket field. 2101 on the text if you want to get in touch with us or email us at the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me today are Peter Field, Head of Humanities at Canterbury University. Kia ora, good afternoon to you, Peter. Ah, welcome and uh, welcome from your alma mater. Uh, th- yes, thanks Thanks very much, my uh, old university, although I didn't trouble the scorers terribly much there. I think it was a, a, a BA of some description. <laughs> but um, how's the weather down, down there today? Have you had some snow, Peter? Well, I did manage to, to fight my way through the wind to get into the no, studio, okay. but uh, easy enough. That's good. Anna Dean, a Nelson-based brand strategist, is also with us on the panel today. Kia ora, Anna. Kia ora. I'm actually in Golden Bay. Are you? Um, just over oh. the hill, yes, yes. Are, are you? Are you, are you in Takaka, are you? Or? Uh, actually, I live in Pohara, right on the beach there, and um, glorious sunny day, but the snow is very low on the hills, and it's uh, the fire is roaring inside here today, yeah. Oh, Pohara is one of my favourite places. So you just, um, you're near the, they used to call it the Penguin Cafe, it's just across from that top 10 motor camp there. You're kind of in that sort of zone? Yeah. Exactly where I am, yes. Good stuff. Okay, (laughs) thanks, Anna and Peter. We'll be hearing uh, plenty from you this afternoon on the panel. But let's kick off with this, and I hadn't heard of this before today, but I quite like this. It's the Bechdel test. So movies like Breakfast at Tiffany's, the the entire Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy, and that must take many hours, and Arrival, these are all films that don't pass the Bechdel test. This is a test where the movie must have at least two women in it who talk to each other about something other than a man. And the idea comes from a 1980s comic strip that was authored by Alison Bechdel. 
Now, over the weekend, Bechtel did an interview with The Guardian saying that this test was just a joke and she didn't intend for it to become a real gauge, but it has been incredibly influential. Uh, let's talk about this now with Erin Harrington, who's a senior lecturer in, and cultural studies coordinator at Canterbury University today. We're giving uh, Canterbury a bit of a plug today. Erin, welcome to you. Kia welcome. Hello. The Bechdel test, how do, you, how do you rate it? Do you think it um, stands up as a, as a measure, as a metric that we should look at? Well, it's a pretty interesting metric. It's kind of like a sniff test, really, where um, you know, you're almost like licking your finger and holding it up into the wind in terms of thinking about female representation or the relationships that are on show and so on. But I can see why Bechdel gets frustrated that people have seen it almost like as this, like you say, scientific metric that says a, a film may or may not be good on the basis of whether or not it has characters that fulfill this because that wasn't, you know, it wasn't what it was intended to be. It was an observation and it was an observation about queer women too, about the sorts of uh, characters and roles that they might see on film and how they might relate to film too. But it's been picked up in all sorts of ways. Uh, sometimes it's used as a very strict metric from some funders as well, saying, you know, we won't fund films unless it uh, fits this or that and a really nice way to think about you know the sorts of stories and identities and concerns that we see on uh, television and on film but certainly not um, something scientific. Do you find yourself using it you know you turn to your friend or partner or whatever on on the couch and say "Mm, that that ain't going to meet the Bechdel test? It's quite, I mean, it's it's serious and it's a joke at the same time because often jokes do have a, a streak of seriousness kind of running through them. I mean, it's a really good way of questioning the, the default representations and stories that we see because, of course, you know, the, the history of television and the history of cinema has, for the most part, been male stories about male protagonists uh, driving male concerns too. So, if anything, if it asks people to maybe defamiliarise the sorts of characters that they see, then that's a really good thing. Let's bring you in here, Anna. Anna Dean, you're a, a brand strategist, so you'd, you'd, you'd know a two, uh, two thing about this and, and your, your mind would be quite attuned to this. What do you make of this as, as, a, as a metric? Is it something that you, you, you would uh, be guided by? Oh, absolutely. And I run a, a feminist network called the Ace Lady Network. And this is actually, yeah, quite a quite a common test that we that we talk about. It's funny, I was trying to find today, there's this very hilarious meme about the Lord of the Rings trilogy where they have uh, two female, the only two female characters talking to each other on screen. And it's a mother and a daughter hobbit asking her to one the mother's asking the daughter to get something and it's and it's i mean it's it's actually a joke as well but it but it just does really highlight um how sidelined uh female characters have been or if they are um in films and television you know they're usually playing some kind of specific role to to um push the action of the of the male character i mean for me I, i work a lot in the film industry and um it's I'm really excited, and I think this is largely to do with this test now being out there in the world for so long that we are now seeing over the next 18 months kind of nationally and internationally, there's a whole raft of films um, that are coming out from a purely female lens, and it's going to be really interesting to see those be unleashed around the world. Um, And the concerns are very different, and there's... um, 
yeah, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to see them out in the world. Yeah, Peter, have you got any uh, guilty movies that you might want to test whether Erin thinks they meet the uh, Bechdel test? <laughs> well, I like Alice Bechdel a lot. Um, not so much her test. I'm with, with her that the test is a joke. I much prefer actually the Harrington test, um, which is not oh. a litmus test. It's a reviewer, and she's quite good. And so I suggest following Erin wherever you can. <laughs> I will say, Guy, though, for your guest that. My wife chooses the movies, so almost every movie I see is a rom-com, a romantic comedy. And I'd say they pass half of the test. Many, many more women characters, few men, but almost all the dialogue does feature women talking, alas, about the men. Just to wrap this, Erin, why why do you think it's become so popular and, you know, what, as you say, started possibly in jest has become uh, such a a milestone metric, if you like. I think I think there's two reasons. One is that it's pissy. You know, it's it's funny and it's easy to remember and it has this great kind of pop culture background to it. But also it's just so basic. And the moment you start applying that lens to all sorts of things, it can be, I don't know, really shocking and troubling to see how many of the just the, the dozens, hundreds of things we watch all the time, be it older uh, media or the sorts of things that Anna's involved with at the moment that just don't cover this basic thing because it's not just about do women talk, it's about how do characters have agency, do they have depth, do they have interests outside of you know the, the present concerns of the film too. So I think as a very basic entry-level thing, it's a, it's a really useful thing. Of course, you know, there are wonderful stories about men and nobody's saying get rid of those, but rather, you know, we can um, make sure that that's not the only item on the menu. Thanks, Erin. Erin Harrington, the Senior Lecturer and Cultural Studies Coordinator at the University of Canterbury, talking about the Bechdel test. Text us, 2101, uh, if you're wondering whether your favourite movie fits within those criteria. We'll see whether we can answer that for you. But it's 3.55 on the panel. Let's get to what the panellists have been thinking. Let's start with you, Peter. What's been on your mind early this week? Well, um, I think most people would know that at least I'm, I'm claimed to be from America, hail from America. So I was back in the United States for about three weeks. And so I guess I could report from the front. And uh, the reports are not all that encouraging. Uh, it's a remarkably riven partisan moment in American history. And really, I, I guess it's really too bad because, right, because of Prigozhin's attempted coup, Putin's in a mess, um, Xi Jinping has backed him and that's a mistake. He's alienated so many people in his own uh, neck of the woods. It seems like a really great moment to have some leadership in the world. Mm. And I wish I could say that the United States is in a position to provide it. And I just feel it's not. I'd just and that's be, a great disappointment. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know whether this idea of whether you can talk to people you don't agree with has become harder. And this idea that in the American context, Republicans or Democrats can speak sort of across the aisle and you can have friends who are with different political views. It, it seems as as though from polling that I've seen from the Pew Research Centre and others that that is becoming more difficult. So it's that street level, um, you, you know, d- division, I guess, that we're talking about. Have you noticed that? Yes, very much. Um, actually, I think if you asked Democrats, my family, um, what the greatest threat to the world is right now, I wouldn't be surprised really if they would say Trump, that is, other Americans. Similarly, on the left, 
they might feel very much the same way that the prob biggest problem in the world are progressive Democrats. And that's a very bad sign when Americans think that other Americans are the, the, the enemy. What's the good bit? There must be some optimism coming um, f from America. What do you say? Well, I, I mean, I guess the good bit is always that there are other elections and you can throw the <laughs> bums out. And there's always hope that somehow these octogenarians, these baby boomers who will not get off the stage will finally move off. Right, Anna? And, and get out of the way and let younger people solve their own problems. <laughs> Has that been on your mind this week, Anna? Or what have you been thinking about? Uh, well, it's it's kind of related to that. I mean, I've really been thinking uh, now that I've lived outside the kind of so-called, you know, air quotes, Wellington bubble for a couple of years now. I mean, I, I've i just been watching carefully um, the, the anti-co-governance tour that's cruising around the country. Um, and I've been seeing some pretty upsetting footage on, on social media. And I really find that um, in outside of um, the framework at which I was used to living and working in, in Wellington City, it always surprises me. And it's been a real eye-opener and actually very good for the work that I do to to hear the different concerns and challenges that people living in rural areas face. But I do think that there's a lot of... Um, trickiness that can happen with this division, um, you know, oh, Wellington is doing this to us and Wellington's doing that. And um, I think it's very fermented by um, or fomented by social media that we can't talk to each other in ways that we used to be able to because so many people speak to, uh, you know, this kind of into this void and they can be so rude and um, mm. not have any consequences in this online space of, and say things that you wouldn't say to someone in the street. But yeah. then now actually it's spilling over. Into, hey, just, just, just a minute or so before, before we get to four, but just, just quickly, do you try to change people's minds on, say, anti-vaxxing or anti-co-governance, if, if that's not your thing? Um, do you have examples of where you actually try to talk to, to someone or do you just let it go? I mean, that seems to be um, one of the challenges. How do we talk to people who we really don't agree with? Oh, it's it's been a constant struggle for me um, moving to a smaller area and and hearing people's lack of understanding how the system of gov governance and, and government actually works. And I've had some pretty heated discussions because sometimes it often feels like it's a time warp back to discussions that were being had 20 years ago in, in a city. So it's a constant challenge to work out how to be a bridge and how to have those conversations in a way that... Um, people can can hear and and you know you can have some kind of um level of understanding i mean i had an almost an argument you know about cycleways um with a with a friend <laughs> all right we might, <laughs> have, we, we might have to cycle back yeah. to that one because we're, we're up against <laughs> uh -huh. the uh, four o'clock news uh, you're gonna have plenty of dad jokes with me uh guy and espina and <laughs> right. for a while i've got my nine-year-old here so yeah, do some dad jokes today won't we, uh, it's coming up to four o'clock now <laughs>